How many of us love that sound? How many of us love riding on airplanes? And it's, you know, it's so fun and it's so exciting. I love riding on airplanes. I love sitting in that, that window seat, being able to look out, you know, whether it's sunrise, sunset, you know, to look above, you know, look at Hawaii here, to see the mountains, to see the land, you know, over cities. And how many of us have ever, you know, a couple things as you fly. We're going to go flying this morning. <clears throat> but as you fly, you learn that, and it's a little blurry, but you can kind of get the picture. When you fly, doesn't life look a little different when you're thousands of feet up in the air? Notice now that when you're up in the air, you know, you take off, you incline, jet is just screaming through the air. You get to a certain point, it levels off. And then it's just kind of coasting in the air. While it's coasting in the air, you look down, and man, life sure looks different. You know, you fly to the Midwest, you fly to the East Coast, you see that there is so much open land. There's so much land that's undeveloped up there, out there. There's so many little towns and cities. There's so many little places all across this earth, you know, flying above the clouds, flying above land. Flying above and seeing, you know, beautiful sights and mountain tops covered with snow. Flying over big cities. Everything looks different. Everything looks different. Everything looks different when you're up above. Turn to neighbor and say, are you up above this morning? All right. Hebrews 4.12. Now, I didn't put this one on the screen. It's not my main text. It's just my diving board this morning. Hebrews 4.12. And it says this. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul, spirit, joints, marrow. The Word of God judges thoughts, attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who we must give account. Now, interestingly enough, kind of a personal story. When I went to school, I was the type of student that I was there to check the box, right? Go to school, elementary, junior high, high school. Of course, you get older, and when you're in high school, you want to have fun, be with friends, that kind of stuff. But, you know, but... Still was more of a check-the-box kind of thing, something you got to do. I just got to check the box, check the box, check the box, go to school. And for me, I typically really didn't honestly like doing homework, projects, book reports, all those things. I didn't really like getting up in front of the class and speaking and, you know, talking in front of people. And when I got saved, so I, I grew up in church, but I really wasn't saved, I say, till I was 19, and I had an encounter with God. And when I had an encounter with God, something changed inside of me. And the change inside of me at 19, this verse that I just read, Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. For me at 19, when I found the truth, the truth became more important than my feelings as a kid. Remember, I, I grew up, never wanted to, you know. Now, I did like to be silly and goof off, you know, make disturbing noises and kids laugh in school. But I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to, you know, talk and, and do all those things, those public speeches. But when, when God came into my heart at 19, when the truth of God's word 
sank into my heart, mind, and soul. The truth became more important to me than what I felt like and what I didn't feel like. And it was hard for me to hold the truth back because the truth, Jesus said the light of the world, Jesus said this, this revelation, this light, became so powerful in my heart that it became the speech and the motivation for my life, the Word of God, which is truth. So this morning, interestingly enough, we started with an airplane. We said everything looks different from the air, right? We're going to go to Genesis chapter 13. This is going to look really familiar if you were here last Sunday. Genesis 13. Because how many of us know sometimes when you're high up, get a different perspective. Genesis 13, verse 5, and it says this. Lot, who was traveling with Abram, had also become wealthy with flocks of sheep, goats, herds of cattle, many tents. But the land cannot support both Abram and Lot with all their flocks, herds living so close together. So disputes broke out between the herdsmen of Abram and Lot. And all the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in that land. Finally, Abram said a lot, let's not allow this conflict to come between us, our herdsmen. After all, we're close relatives. The whole country is open to you. Take your choice of any section of the land that you want. We will separate. If you want the land of the left, I'll take the land of the right. If you prefer the land of the right, I'll take the one on the left. So Lot took a long look at the fertile plains of the Jordan Valley in the direction of Zor, and the whole area was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord or the beautiful land of Egypt. This was before God had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 11, Lot chose for himself the whole Jordan Valley to the east of them. He went there with his flocks, his servants, and he parted company with his uncle Abram. Abram settled in that land of Canaan, and Lot moved his tents to a place near Sodom, and he settled among the cities of the plain. But the people of this area were extremely wicked and constantly sinned against the Lord. Verse 14, after Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, look as far as you can in every direction, north, south, east, west. I'm giving you all this land as far as you can see. Your descendants is a permanent possession, and I will give you so many descendants that like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. So go and walk through the land in every direction. I'm giving it to you. So Abram moved his camp to Hebron, and he settled near the oak grove belonging to Mamre, where he built another altar to the Lord. And so this morning, as we take a deep dive into the text we shared last week, how many of us have ever heard that saying, looks like chicken, tastes like chicken? How many of us have ever tried different meats? And even though and it could look like chicken a little bit, there's a lot of things that taste like chicken even when it's not chicken. You could travel the world and you can try different meats and you can try, you know, Dog meat. You can try frog legs. Of course, you can get frog legs here, right? You can try rattlesnake. And many people who've had rattlesnake frog legs and all these different things, these yummy, wonderful delicacies that people love. You know what a lot of people say? It looks and it tastes like chicken. So this morning, as we get into this story, Abram and Lot, Abraham who, be Abram who becomes Abraham, we look at Lot for a second. And so for Lot, he had the appearance, turn to your neighbor and say, he had the appearance, the appearance of being blessed. Now, when you think about blessed in the Bible, being blessed in the Bible means fully blessed, cup running over. 
Now, if you're holding this morning a cup of coffee, cup of water, and you're walking around, we don't want that cup to runneth over because it's going to what? It's going to spill and get messy. But in a spiritual sense this morning to understand when your cup runs over, it spills on everybody around you and so they can taste the blessing that God puts in you. So Abram, his cup was so full and running over that it spilled onto other people in his life. Lot, his nephew, he had the appearance, the appearance of blessing. How many of us have ever met someone and you first meet them and just by staring and looking at them, because we don't ever stare at people and look at people. We're not that kind of people, right? Have you ever looked at someone and there was the appearance of like, wow, they look really nice. And then you hear them talking like, ooh, <laughs> they ain't so nice, man. <laughs> How many of us judge by the parents that we see in people? So we see a lot this morning. He had the appearance of being blessed, but he wasn't really blessed. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and poke him and say, he wasn't blessed. He was not blessed at all. He did have a lot of cattle, and it wasn't because of hard work. It wasn't because he was super smart. It wasn't because Lot was married and had two daughters. It wasn't because he was a salesman or knew how to talk. Lot, at this point of the story, his life was built to a point only, simply, because he was riding on the success and the favor of somebody else. Uncle Abe. And today we're going to watch a football game. Maybe, maybe not. There'll be people on the football team who are on that field today playing, whether it's offense, defense, throwing, catching, taking the ball, running. There will be people who sit on the bench. And today, there's going to be a team who's going to win. They're going to get a bonus. They're going to get extra cash. They're going to be called and given the title champions. Now, interestingly enough, the people who sit on the bench who don't make it in the game, they're going to enjoy the blessing of those who worked hard all year long. And they're going to be called champions even though they did not do a darn thing. They sat there. They, they clapped. They cheered. Right? That's what they did. And so this morning, God spoke something really clear to me this week about the story that we read last week and to kind of go there in this direction this week. And number one, to understand, if you actually have your Bibles, we're going to go to John chapter 831. John 831. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you're truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you will know the truth, the truth will set you free. But hey, 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 here's the religious people. We're descendants of Abraham. There's that guy, Abram, again. They said, we've never been slaves to anybody. What do you mean you'll be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. John 8, 35, a slave's not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. If the son sets you free, you're truly free. I realize you're descendants of Abraham, but yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your heart for my message. I'm telling you what I saw. I'm telling you 
what I saw when I was with my father, but you were following the advice of your father. Our father is Abraham, they declared. Jesus replied, no. If you were really the children of Abraham, you would follow his example. And so this morning, the first thing to point out from the Word of God, Lot discovered favor not because of what he did, but because of what his uncle did. Jesus is talking with religious people a few thousand years later. So we fast forwarded. The religious people, these were people who gave their life to study the first five books of the Bible. Men who, who dug into scripture, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and they dug in and they studied it word for word. They studied the original language. They memorized the word. They were so into it. But you know what they did? They thought that they were going to go to heaven because they were related to Abraham. They thought, man, because I'm related to Abe, because I'm related to Father Abraham, because I know how to sing that song in English and Spanish and German, Father Abraham had many sons. They thought because they knew Abraham, because they were a relative, that they were going to go to heaven. And here's Jesus speaking with the religious people. What did he say to them? You think because you're a relative of Abraham that you are going to get to heaven. He said, no, you have to know the Son, and the Son will set you free. You have to know the Son, and the Son will set you free. Anybody who does anything wrong, Jesus said, becomes a slave to doing wrong. And the only way you're going to get free, and the only way you're going to make it to heaven one day is if... You know the Son. Not Abraham. Turn your neighbor and say, not Abraham. But know the Son. Know the Son. This morning, many people in our world, there's many believers, many Christians who have the attitude of I'm riding on the success of someone who maybe who went before me, somebody who's around me, instead of, eh, I'll do it myself. Now, here's an example, and no one take offense to this. In a house, who pays most of the bills? Mommy and daddy, right? Most of the time, in a house, who pays most of the bills? Mommy and daddy. So who enjoys living in a house based off what mom and dad do? The kids, right? Most kids enjoy what mom and dad do and what is provided for until one day the kid has to be on their own. And the kid has to pay their own rent or mortgage until the kid has to pay every single bill and payment on their own. And usually when a kid gets to that point, they go, man, wow, what did mom and dad do for me, right? What did they do for me? Holy moly. Think about tithes and offerings for a second. If you were to think about church, even though we rent from this space here, it's still 2500 bucks a month. And sometimes people come to church and they say, you know what? I don't need to give my part to help keep the lights on. Why? Somebody else can do it, right? If I don't give money and put it in the bucket, somebody else will cover it. And when it comes to our Christian faith, see, this is the story. This is the moment. This is Jesus. And everything is built upon this. I don't need to do what's right. 
I'm going to let somebody else do what's right. I don't need to read my Bible. I'm going to let somebody else read the Bible and tell me what it says. I don't need to listen to worship music. I'm just going to let somebody else listen to worship. They can tell me about it. So many of us, we let things, we pass on things because we rely on other people. Do we rely on anybody this morning? Apostle Paul said in Philippians, if you have your Bibles, and I don't have it on the screen this morning, Philippians 2.12 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When it comes to God, when it comes to the Bible, what is the most important thing? To learn to work this out on my own. We don't always have mom and dad. We don't always have pastors. We don't always have leaders. We don't always have Christians around us at all point. There is no one. I don't know if you've ever been to a restaurant, maybe a concert, maybe to a place, and you couldn't get in the front door. It's too packed, too busy. You say, you know what? Ah, uh, I know a guy. I know a guy. You know what he's going to do? He's going to help me get in the back door. I sell food. Most of you know my day job. I get to sell food to restaurants. So there's times where I could call a customer and say, you know what? Your place looks full. Would there anybody you, you can still help me out? And they would. Most of my customers would say, absolutely, because I know them. But here's, here's the real truth. The day that you die, the day you stand before God, you're not going to have to rely on Abraham. You're not going to be able to rely on me. You're not going to be able to rely on any family, any friend, any person. When you stand before him, you have to give an account for your life. And if you took this word, and if you said, I'm going to choose to follow this word, I'm going to work it out on my own, you know what? You're going to be okay. But sometimes we as people, we like to cheat the system. We like to cut in line. We don't want to go around the back door. There ain't, it ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen when we get to heaven. There ain't, there ain't no back door. And so it's really important to understand, number one, this thing, when it comes to faith, I have to discover for myself. I need to know it for myself. I need to understand it for myself. I need to read for myself. How many of us have ever had the privilege of getting a driver's license? And if you had to study the written paperwork to take the test, you could sit with a friend, you could sit with the parent, and they could tell you, hey, this is what they're going to ask you, this is what they're going to do, and then you could try and do it just by talking with somebody. But most people, if we were honest, if you took that written test, what did you do? You studied the pamphlet so that you can pass the test. This morning, question number one, are you studying the pamphlet so that you can pass the test? Have you studied this pamphlet, the book, Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth, B-I-B-L-E? Are you studying this, working it out on your own? One of the crazy things that I think Jesus said in this story between the religious leaders, you know what he said to them? You think because you're related to Abraham, you're his descendant, you're going to go to heaven one day. He goes, you have so far missed the truth. He said, you have no room 
for truth in your heart. These were men who studied and lived. They were paid. This is their job to study the Old Testament. They studied it. And no matter how much they studied the Bible, you know what happened? They missed it. They missed it. Just like in our world today, how many know there are people who are missing it? So this morning we looked at Abram. We looked at Lot. We talked about Jesus. And here's some things that in Lot's life that I think where he steered it wrong. Because if I knew I was going to get in my car and I was going to drive and get in an accident, I would want to ask myself, what could I have done different? What kind of things I've done different? So he's looking at Lot this morning and we see from his life, what could Lot have done different? What could Lot have done different? Number one, let's read Proverbs 21, 2. It says this, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. As Lot departed from his uncle, did he think his uncle was right or did he think he was right? He thought he was right. He thought he was right to do whatever he wanted to do. He thought he could just go out and conquer the world and everything was going to be okay. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. To do what is right and just is more acceptable to God than saying, I am sorry. And so Lot, we see in that story, because he thought and he was thinking, I'm right, even though he was wrong. When we think that we're right, when we're wrong, guess what? It comes with a cost. Ah. Turn to and say, I hate it when there's a cost. I hate it when there's a cost. Ooh, it hurts. Lot in this story, he thought he was right in his own eyes. He was given the opportunity to make a choice. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm going to do what I want to do, so let's do this. When you think you're right in yourself, it comes with a cost. Second thing about Lot, and I don't know if any of you know any people who act like fools. <laughs> There's a few of them in our world today. Go to Walmart, right? Go to Target. Walk down the streets. Go to Florida. Go to downtown LA, San Diego. You can find them everywhere. I mean, if I see people are like, man, they acting like a fool this morning, right? A lot in this story to me, he acted like a fool. Younger. Tragic. Beginning in his life. Lot, who thought he was right and wise in his own eyes. Lot who thought, man, I built my life up. I'm comfortable. Have you ever done that? Have you ever built your life to a point where you say, I'm comfortable? And then next thing you know, six months later, it's like, ah, I ain't so comfortable anymore. Sometimes in our minds, we think, if I could just build to this, this, everything's right. But it never happens. Why? Because we're trying to process it on our own instead of going through God. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to give you a bunch of verses. Proverbs 10:14. Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool comes to a disaster. People just like keep babbling, 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 babbling. Wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites disaster. Proverbs 
The words of the godly are like sterling silver, but the heart of a fool is worthless. Proverbs 12, 16. A fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. Proverbs 14, 3. A fool's proud talk becomes a rod that beats him, but the words of the wise keep them safe. Proverbs 15, 14. A wise person is hungry for knowledge. A wise person hungry for knowledge. This is good. While the fool feeds on trash. There's a lot of trash in our world today. We take it out every single week. Trash man comes, picks it up. There's a lot of trash that you could get stuck on in your phones. There's a lot of trash that's stuck out everywhere we go and everything that we do, things that we can see, things that we can hear. There are many people who get stuck feeding on trash. And what is trash? Really, honestly, when we're talking about bad things that happen to other people and we're not talking for it in a, in a positive sense, that's feeding on trash. When we see people and they screw up and their life gets this and their life takes a horrible turn, you, you think about the difference between Abraham and Lot. Abraham wasn't a perfect man. Turn to your neighbor and say, he wasn't perfect. No, he wasn't perfect. But you know what? He still fell in the favor of God. Lot wasn't a perfect man either, but he fell out of the favor of God because he got to himself. A fool, this written in Proverbs, someone who feeds on the trash and negativity of other things. Proverbs 17, 10. A single rebuke does more for a person of understanding than a hundred lashes on the back of a fool. Sensible people, Proverbs 17, 24, keep their eyes glued on wisdom. Sensible people keep their eyes glued on wisdom. But a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Always need more, always need more. Always looking, always wanting, instead of being happy with what's within. Proverbs 26, 11. As a dog returns to its puke, a fool repeats his foolishness. Lot in the story that we've read last week and we read this morning, and to point him out and to dig a little deeper into his life, he became a fool. He became a fool. And we could say, you know, the poor man, it was because he had a hard beginning. There was tragic things that he went to. And we can make all the excuses because how many of us know as humans, it's what we do. When we screw up, what do we do? We make an excuse. Well, I can't do this. I didn't do this because of this. I screwed up, but it's because of this. And honestly, most of the time, it's because we blame other people. Proverbs 12, 15, fools think their own way is right. Never once in this story did we see Lot ask his uncle. See, the uncle offered first, go wherever you want, and now go the opposite direction. If Lot became a wise person, he would have said, Uncle, what do you want to do? He would have turned it back to his uncle and said, You know what? You're my uncle. You've provided for me. You've blessed me through God. Uncle, what do you want to do? But instead he did what he wanted to do, and he lost out on the favor of God. I don't need to listen to anybody. A fool says, I don't need to listen to anybody. A fool says, I can make my own mistakes. 
I'll pay for my own mistakes. If you go out to eat today, tomorrow, this week, you are going to be asked to pay for the food that you order. And many of us in this life, we say, you know what? I will pay. This is something that I want to do. And if it is bad and if it's wrong for me, then I will pay. That's what a fool says in his heart. Instead of listening, watching, learning from people who've gone before us, learning from the people who've lived in the story. Even in this book right here, if you look at Lot, this is a crazy story, right? Lot moves away from his uncle. He gets to this town. He has two angels come and visit him. As these two angels come to town, it says that the men of Sodom and Gomorrah came out to see Lot, and they're knocking on the door, and they want to do disgusting stuff with the two angels. And the story just continues to get worse and weird and awkward. Why? Because Lot didn't want to listen. Lot wanted to make his own mistakes. And you know what? Lot paid for those mistakes. Why do we think in our head, I can do this, it's okay, I'll pay for it, instead of just learning the lesson? How many of us know older people in our life who've had hard lives? How many of us know people in our life, and instead of giving people good advice, we say, you know what, you're going to figure it out. That's not a good friend. It's not a good friend to say that. It's not a good friend. Lot should have turned to his uncle and say, uncle, you're older, you're wiser, you have been so good to me. You take the first pick. You give me advice where I should go. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. So there's two things more that we learned from Lot before we move on to Abram, and then we're going to wrap it up this morning. And that is number one. Proverbs 18.20 says, the tongue can bring death or it can bring life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Lot's life took a sharp turn. Lot's life had a, had a, man, he got to the end of the street. There was nowhere else to go. Why? The Bible, the tongue brings death or brings life. Do we understand that our mouth, there is power in the words that we speak? There's power in the words that we speak. There's power in how we talk. There's power in what we bring out from our brain, from our heart, from our mind, from our soul. There is power in the things that we say. And, and really, the Bible says there's two options. When we talk, we're bringing life or we're bringing death. We're bringing positivity, right, or we're bringing what? Negativity. We're bringing light or we're bringing darkness. We're bringing revelation and truth or we're bringing lies. There's always two choices. What? When we open up our mouth. And so if we were to just take a step back and think about ourselves, our own actions, our own words, do I choose to speak life over every single person every single day? We've talked about it before. If you have a kid, if you have a nephew, if you have a niece, and you tell that kid every single day, you are dumb, you are dumb, you are dumb, you are dumb, what is that kid going to believe? They are dumb. God didn't put you here to speak negatively about anybody else. Build people up. God's put us here to build each other up. How can I build you up? Not about what you're not doing. Not about what you're not doing, what you should be doing about this, this. How come you're not doing this? How come you're not doing that? Don't we have parents for that? Be so mean and... 
I'm one of those dads sometimes. God's put us here to use our mouth to impact people in a positive way, to bring life. Lot's words, his story tells me that Lot's words, what he used his mouth for, it wasn't very good because it ended in a tragic, tragic way. And then secondly, I don't know if you've ever seen this verse before. It's one of the greatest verses ever. Actually, I didn't put it up there, and I apologize. But it's Proverbs 27, 17. It says, as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. And we're going to watch a quick video real quick about this. shortest video I can find showing what happens when iron is being hit. Do you, do you know how hot it is when they start molding, shaping, sharpening iron? The heat, the pressure that gets put to sharpen iron. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend should sharpen a friend. Hmm. Iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. We've kind of become people who don't really sharpen each other. We encourage each other. Sometimes we'll say nice things. Oh, you're struggling? I'm sorry. Right? Isn't it so easy to say that? I'm sorry, right? We're not helping anybody if we're not sharpening we're not helping anybody if we don't help sharpen. We are not being a real friend. If I don't help you become sharper as a person and you don't help me become sharper as a person, we're not helping each other. Could we hang out? Could we have fun? Could we have a good time? Absolutely. And honestly, at the end of the day, having a good time, and it's nice. Celebrate life, right? Celebrate good times. But at the end of the day, it's not life getting the most, maximizing what life has, what God has put here on this great earth. We sing that song, Phil Wickham, Creator, this morning, and we try to sing along. And you see some of those words, and you see the creation and the creator who put this place together to understand, man, the world is created. God created this, and he wants to bless me, and he wants me to give a full, full life. He wants me to have a life where my cup, it's overflowing, it's so full, I could just throw it, right? God wants to bless my life and so that my cup overflows so that everybody who's around me, as God fills my cup, my life is being spilled all across everywhere and everywhere and every person that's close to me gets to taste the goodness of God because God is filling my cup, because God is blessing my life. To maximize life, to understand John 10, 10, Jesus said, my very purpose was to give you a full life. 
And if we were just to take a look this morning at the two men in the story, you had Abram and you had Lot. Abram in the story continued to have a full life and walk in the blessing of God. Even though at times he screwed up, he made some knucklehead mistakes, he still walked in the favor of God. Lot made a few mistakes, but what happened when he made those mistakes? He paid for every one of them. Why? Where's the difference? And here it is. Turn your neighbor and say, here it is. Jesus said many are called, but there's only a few chosen. And you know why there's many called and only a few chosen? Because how many of us have ever said when God, some, maybe, I don't know if God's ever put anything on your heart. Hey, call this friend. Hey, pray for this person. Do this. Have you ever heard someone say, God, has, God didn't make me a preacher. God didn't make me a prayer warrior. God didn't give me the altar ministry. God didn't give me Sunday school ministry. God didn't give me youth ministry. You can hear it in church all the time where people say, God didn't do this. God didn't give me this. God didn't make me this. God didn't make me that. Going down that road is like going down the road with Lot. Abraham was called. And when he got called up by God, he answered the phone. And he said, yes, God, I'm here. God said, I want you to go. But you have to follow. And here's where the real difference is with people today, with Christians, non-Christians, within the church. You have people who come to church who are believers, but not followers. I believe. I believe. I believe. But if I don't choose to follow, I'm going to miss out on the favor. If I don't choose to follow, eventually the good things that I have right now, they're going to run dry. Lots goodness, lots cattle, lots life. What happened? It ran dry. Why? Because he wasn't choosing to follow. I'm going to do life myself. I'm going to do life how I want it. I'm going to live, I'm going to do, and I'm going to breathe, and I'm going to be whoever I want to be, whoever I choose to be. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. It was all I, 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 I. Instead of him, 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 him. God said to Abram in Genesis 12:1, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land that I will show you. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I'm going to bless those who bless you, and I'm going to curse those people who treat you badly, and all the people on earth will be blessed because of you. God, as a good, good father, turn your name and say, he's a good, good father. God is a good, good father. But you know what? He can't force his goodness on you. God can't force his goodness on you. You have to choose to accept the goodness of God. You have to choose to accept the blessing of God. God called Abram, and Abram believed. So he was credited, and he was given a deposit because he believed. He believed in God. But because he believed... He chose to follow. 
And there's a big difference between people who believe, between those who follow. When Jesus came here, so you fast forward, what was the first thing he did when he asked for his disciples? He didn't say, hey, do you believe in me? Hey, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe? Then you're going to go to heaven if you believe, 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 believe. What was the very first thing Jesus said to the disciples? Drop everything and follow me. Drop everything and follow me. Drop everything and follow me. So this morning, yes, you know, we come to church and we talk about faith and having faith in God, which is really, really important. Hebrews says without faith you don't please God. So it starts with faith. It starts by believing. It starts by seeing. It starts by listening. It starts by putting our faith and hope and trust in God. But at some point when we see, when we hear, when we listen and we believe, at some point, Is my faith causing me to follow Jesus? Does my faith, is it, is it urging me? Is it pushing me out of my comfort zone? Does my faith in Jesus, is it pushing me out of my comfort zone? Is it pushing me to do things I don't want to do? Is it pushing me to do what's right? Is it pushing me to give, to serve, to follow? And so this morning we started with an airplane Turn to your neighbor and say, yes, we're going to get back to the airplane. And we started with an airplane this morning because everything changes from a different point of view. With us in here this morning, we can read the text, and every one of us, if you're reading and you're listening and you're hearing, every one of us can have a different point of view. When we're here, we're listening, when you get in the car and you turn on something and you hear something, every one of us, we could hear one thing and all have a different perspective. When we listen, but everything changes. When you get in an airplane, why does everything change when you get in an airplane? Why does everything look and view different when you're in an airplane? My last text this morning is Luke chapter 9. So if you have your Bibles, it's Luke chapter 9. And it's not going to be on the screen this morning. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. About eight days later, Jesus took Peter, John, James, up on a mountain to pray. Luke verse 9, 28. Eight days later, a new beginning, Jesus took Peter, John, James up on a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face was transformed. His clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly two men, Moses, Elijah, appeared and began talking with Jesus. They were glorious to see. They were speaking about his exodus from the world, which is about to be fulfilled in Jerusalem. Peter and the others had fallen asleep. When they woke up, they saw Jesus' glory and the two men standing with him. Moses and Elijah were starting to leave, and Peter said, not even knowing what he was saying, he's blurting out, Master, it's so wonderful for us to be here. Let's make three shelters, a memorial, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. But even as he was saying this, a cloud overshadowed them. Terror gripped them as a cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, this is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And when the voice finished, Jesus was there alone. They didn't tell anyone what they 
had seen. Most of the time during the week, how many of us live, you know, in this valley for the most part? You drive in this valley. We live in this valley. Now, we could drive up to Idaho. We could drive up to Big Bear, right? And we can we could get to a point where the elevation is different. And how many of us know that when you get up higher, the more elevation, the higher you go, everything is different. The air is different. Every single thing is different. The elevation and the height that you go. And the challenging thing this morning is the longer we stay on the ground, the longer we stay on the ground, everything else becomes so big. How many of us see situations in our life, you know, this past week? How many of us have seen situations in ourselves, in our friends, in our family, where everything's a big deal? Everything becomes so big. Everything becomes massive and ginormous and big. I read a story in Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to a mountain. Turn to neighbor and say they took him to a mountain. They went on a hike. They climbed up a mountain. But when they got to the mountain, you know what happened? Everything was different and everything became different. Why? Because they saw God bigger than they saw everything that was down below. They saw God. He was bigger. They heard his voice. They saw something that they'd never seen before. They heard a voice that they never heard before. This is my son. Listen to him. They would not have heard God if they didn't climb up the what? The mountain. They wouldn't have heard God's voice. They wouldn't have seen Moses and Elijah. They had two men who were there. Moses died. He was, he's been dead. But they saw Moses and Elijah, why? Because they climbed up the mountain. Life can become overwhelming. Life can become crazy. Everything in life, situations and people, hard circumstances, it becomes crazy the longer we're on the ground. God is asking. God's inviting you this morning. Come up the mountain. And let me show you something that you've never seen before. Let me say something to you that you've never heard before. Walk up the mountain. And what is the mountain? It's the step. It's the transition. It's the connection between heaven and earth. Seeing everything from a different point of view. You know, this week as I was praying, I was asking God, I was just thinking about God's word and thinking about life. This is the very thing that God put on my heart, is that many of us, we're so stuck on the things of this earth. We're so stuck on living life. We're so stuck like, lot oh, bad choices, my responsibility, my choices, my way, I'm right, you're wrong. We're so stuck on so many different things. Why? Because we're not spending enough time in the mountain. Why is church important? You know, the very first story that we started with Jesus, it says that Jesus goes to the synagogue, and you know what? In another translation, in another point of text, it says Jesus made a habit of going to synagogue and a habit of going to what? To church. Every Sunday, he was in church. Every single week, Jesus went to church. And you know what they did in church? They read, they read the Old Testament, because they didn't have the New Testament yet. They read the Bible. They sing a couple psalms. They pray. 
they go. Kind of similar to what we do in this atmosphere. Jesus, as he gets to this temple and synagogue this day, there was a man who had a shriveled hand, a man's hand that was broken, a man's hand, right hand. This is the hand that you shake with. This is the hand, the power hand for people who use. Most of us, there are more right-handed people than left-handed people, right? This was everything. If I'm going to work, if I'm going to have a job, if I'm going to have a life, I need my strong hand. He had nothing. But he's in church, and he's hoping for something. He's in church, and he's got this expectant feeling in his heart. Maybe something can happen in here today. Maybe something good can be spoken today. Maybe something good will happen to me. Maybe I'm going to run into somebody, and they're going to help me today. And as he meets Jesus, and as Jesus sees him, he didn't go looking for Jesus. Jesus found him. And as Jesus sees him, he says to the man, see, everybody was standing and watching because they knew he was going to do something. And the religious people, on this day, you don't work. On, on the Sabbath, you don't work. You don't do anything. And so they wanted to see, was Jesus going to do something good for somebody? Think about this. In this day, 2,000 years ago, the religious people, if you were to do something good for somebody on the Sabbath, it's considered wrong. And so Jesus said, Guys, seriously, come on. Is it really wrong to do something good for somebody? And he turns to the man and he says, stretch out your hand. How do you stretch something that's never been stretched before? How do you do something that you've never done before? How do you do anything that you have no feeling? There was no feeling. There was nothing. It was shriveled down to nothing. How did he know what to do? When Jesus said, stretch out your hand, Jesus didn't lay hands on him. Jesus didn't knock him over. Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And the minute the man tried, what happened? His hand became instantly, instantly whole. Life, Abram and Lot, it's not in just believing it's not in just seeing, but it's where God is leading me to go. It's leading what God is asking me, leading me, guiding me to do. God has put us all here with a job. How many of us have learned that, you know, having a job, and even, you know, my wife who works at the kids' school and works at a school, for years didn't work. She took care of her kids. That was a job in itself. Having five kids, being a mom. How many of us know being a mom is a job, right? But how many of us learn working? It's important. If you want to have a house and a car, if you want to have things, how many of us know? Fortunately, you got to have work, be able to pay some stuff, right? Why is it when it comes to the things of God, we don't have the same mindset? God's put us here to work for his kingdom. Just like you have to work to pay bills, God has put you here to work the ground and do something for him that produces good things for other people. So this morning as we wrap up, as we get ready to go, the biggest thing that you take away from here this morning is life is different when you see it from a different point of view. Life is different when you take the time. And many of us don't take the time. Life is different when you take the time to see it from a different point of view. The religious people with Jesus, 
Jesus said, you have no room to hear the truth because you're consumed with lies. You've left no room for the truth. Don't allow the devil to lie you and rob you. What did Jesus say? The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. The minute your heart, mind, and soul gets any kind of negative, anger, bitter feeling, you've allowed the devil to steal, kill, and destroy. Let's not let the devil rip us off. Let's not let him rip anybody off. God wants us to enjoy what? A very full and blessed life. So it's running over. To continue to be full. God, fill me up. God, fill me up. 